Turn, if you would, to the book of James. We'll continue our journey through the book of James. The message name today is Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. Last week in our study, we looked at verses 9 and 10 of, of the first chapter of the book of James. And, and we saw two estates bought before us of believers. One was of low estate, poor, and one was a rich man. So just two two estates. There's there's other estates too. There's in the middle, and and uh, this was just two estates in the context that James was writing and showing us that no matter the brother being in low estate or in rich estate, they were all one in Christ. They're one in Christ, and that's the main thing. They were born again by the same Holy Spirit of God. They had the same Redeemer saved and washed clean from all their sins in the same blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they had the same standing spiritually in Christ. Their estates may have been different on this earth, but in Christ they have exactly the same standing. And let us remember that. All believers have the same standing in Christ. No matter what we're called to within the church, we have the same standing in Christ. Always remember that. We're, we are equal. We are on equal ground, beloved. And, and I like that. I like that. Because there's no one lording over anyone else, is there? We're one in Christ, beloved. One in Christ. Then we consider the fact, again, that all believers are equal, equally saved, equally holy in Christ, equally made righteous by the righteousness of Christ, equally forgiven of all their sins. You are equally forgiven of all your sins, just like I'm equally forgiven of all my sins in Christ. It's wonderful, isn't it? So therefore, we can both rejoice, can't we? No matter what state we find ourselves in this life, we can all rejoice. Because we're equal in Christ. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. The, the Lord Jesus Christ was bled, or the Lord Jesus Christ's blood was shed to save us from our sins. We have that in common, don't we? We're equal in that. We're equal in all things, in spiritually. We're all equal in, in spiritual things. And remember, too, he was showing the contrast of the two estates. Those are both temporal. Those estates are just temporal while we're on this earth. Right? Because where are we heading? We're both heading towards the celestial city, right? Whether one be rich or whether one be poor. They're both heading to the celestial city in Christ. They're both, their, their end is the same. Equal. There won't be, there won't be anybody boasting in heaven over somebody else. You know that? that? That's foolishness when people start talking about, well, I'm going to have more crowns than somebody else. You're just so full of self-righteousness with that statement. It's not funny. Because Christ is our exceeding reward. If you have Christ, you have everything. You have everything. And so we're equal with each other in Christ, beloved. There's no one saint better than another saint. No, that's just self-righteous foolishness. That's all that is. That's like Henry Mahan said. I like this. That's one worm, two worms sunbathing, and one worm looking over with sunglasses on and going, I better than that worm. Well, they're both worms, aren't they? Just because the one has sunglasses on don't mean he's any better than the one that don't have sunglasses on. And that's us, isn't it? See? We're all the same, aren't we? We're all the same. So both the rich man and the poor man are in Christ. He who is poor and he who is rich have unity in Christ. 
They have unity in Christ. So rejoice, brother and sister, no matter what your state is in this world. Rejoice. Rejoice. You're in Christ. That's all that matters. You're in Christ. You're blessed to endure temptations when they come your way in this world because you're being tried. And when you're being tried, you're being endured with the, with the crown of life. You know what that is? That's just eternal life. That's eternal life, beloved. One day, at the end of our trials and tribulations in this world, we will be in eternity with Christ, enjoying eternal life in Him. Isn't that wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful. So let's turn to James chapter 1 here. <coughs> James chapter 1. Let's read verses 2 to 12. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let that... For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. And these next two verses will be our verses for today, verse 11 and 12. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it wherewith the grass and the flower thereof falleth. And the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade in all his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So today we'll be looking at verses 11 and 12 today. And I pray the Holy Spirit of God, who is the true author of the scriptures, will illuminate the scriptures for us and teach us the things of Christ. And teach us the frailty of our lives and the shortness of our lives. Our lives are not very long in the eyes of the Lord. One day to the Lord is like a thousand years. So we can see how our life is just a vapor. If we live to be 80, 90, 100, it's just a vapor in the eyes of the Lord. It's mere seconds to Him. And I often think of that too. The Lord... If you count the Lord's being gone for two days, if you count His calendar or His time, one day is a thousand years. It's only been two days since He's been gone. Not, not very long, is it? <laughs> oh my, our God is so good. So may He teach us, may the Holy Spirit teach us the frailty and shortness of our lives. Let's look at verse 11. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. So we see James here. He's continuing his thoughts upon trials which come into believers' lives, which every one of us will face trials, won't we? Every one of us. We know we will. The Scriptures tell us we will. But we're to, um, we're to endure these temptations, or these trials and, and temptations which come our way, because they produce in us hope. And that's also endurance too. 
they produce endurance in us. The Holy Spirit keeps us. Never forget it's Him that keeps us. We don't keep ourselves. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before His throne with exceeding joy. See, it's all His work. In religion, I always used to think it was me. It was all about me, what I did. No, I found out in grace it's all about what the Lord does and what He continues to do. We have no ability and strength to keep ourselves, do we? But praise be to God, we, we rest upon, we lean upon the One who has all power and all might. It will not lose one of His sheep. Not one. My goodness. Note the Scripture here brings forth the shortness of our lives. Let's read this again. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his way. So we're bought before us by the Holy Spirit of God, who is the true author of these Scriptures, the shortness and the frailty of our lives. I looked up some statistics for this. Here's some statistics to help us understand the frailty of our lives. Every day, there are 401, this is a statistically based, just a general number, 401,300 births per day on average in this world. And there's 158,686 deaths per day per day. Each hour, there's 16,720 births, average, and 6,611 deaths. Each hour, each minute, there's 278 births and 110 deaths. Each second of every day, there's four births and two people die each second. We don't think about that, do we? We don't think about that. Every second that passes, two people are entering into eternity. Stepping into eternity. In a half hour we're spent studying this morning, there have been 3,300 people who entered eternity. 3,300 people who died and stepped into eternity. 158,000 people per day step into eternity on average. Those who die trusting in Christ go to be in His presence. But those who die in their sins go into a Christless eternity in hell. So the question to you and I who are listening to this message and who will listen to this message is what think ye of Christ? See, we don't know when our day and time is coming, do we? That's why Scripture says today is, is the accepted time. Today. Trust Christ today. You might not have tomorrow. You might not. Some people say, well, I'm young. Yeah, well, young people die all the time too, don't they? Suddenly. So with these numbers in our minds, 
How many people die each day? Let's read that verse again. How many people die each minute, each second? Let's read this verse again. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. So the sun comes up with a burning heat. It withers the grass and the flowers. And so shall the rich man of the world and the worldly minded man or woman who are in that state die in the midst of their pursuits. Not even expecting some of them to die. Now some people, they see their death approaching. But some people die suddenly, don't they? And even the person seeing their death approaching, they're still hoping that that day's not going to come. The unsaved person. Now, the, now the, the believer, we still struggle, don't we? We struggle, we struggle, we struggle. But we have a, my, we have a, we have a, what we have waiting for us on the other side. Sister, I don't mind, I hope you don't mind me talking about Wayne and how he just, you said he is just, he's just, couldn't wait to get the glory. He knew what was there. He knew what was waiting for him. And he's in eternal bliss right now. Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely wonderful. Same with Brother Joel. Internal bliss. It's wonderful. My. But think of people who step into a crisis eternity. Who think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I prayed a prayer. I walked an aisle. Or just how I was before the Lord saved me, saying, well, I'm a good person. You want to know sinners, man. You need to go to jail and you need to go... You need to go... No. How many people just enter into eternity with no care at all about their souls? Do you see the blessing of knowing Christ? And who made us to differ? From, from any of them. Only God. Only God made us to differ. So rejoice. If you're a child of God, rejoice. God has made you to differ. It's nothing you did. He did it. So when we breathe our last breath, we step into glory. And that glory is glory because Christ is there, isn't it? Oh my. You know, in the land of Israel, there are a variety of flowers I read that spring to life when the rains come. But they only last for a short time before withering away. And on the scale of eternity, this is how quickly the unsaved rich man and the worldly man will also fade away in their pursuits. They're just here for a short time and then they're gone. Then they're gone. We see the wicked prosper. Remember, their, their time is short. Their time is short. Very, very short. They have no care for the things that are eternal. They have no care for Christ. They have no care for His Gospel. And they feel safe in their refuge of lives. They feel safe, some of them, in their worldly possessions. Some of them feel safe in their intellect or their strength. But our minds can soon... Forget things as we get older. 
we learn that we forget more than we remember, don't we? As we get older, our strength starts to wane. We can't do the things that we used to do. But oh, for the believer, we just trust in Christ, don't we? But for the unbeliever who's trusting in their own ways or their own, their own riches or their own intellect, or well, those things start to fade away. And then you know what happens when they die? If they do not trust Christ, they are ushered right away into a Christless eternity. My, oh my. Our God's no one to be trifled with, is He? He's no one to be trifled with. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, we see a good example from the Scripture. And remember, the Holy Spirit of God had Luke pen these words here. And we are going to see here the parable of the rich fool. Now, here's a man who had all kinds of money. All kinds of worldly goods. And we're going to see in the text what he's trusting in. And it's not Christ. To his doom. To his doom. Look at this. Luke chapter 12, verses 11, or 13 to 21. And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Men, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, covetousness is, the world thrives on covetousness. I know, I was there. The world thrives on covetousness. Get whatever you can. Don't care who you step on. Right? Look out for number one. All that stuff. Which is the exact opposite of how we feel when the Lord regenerates us. Now we live our life for Christ. Now we know the things that we have, they're, they're blessings to us, but they're just temporal. <clears throat> they're just temporal. They're going to fade away. When, when I die, someone else is going to get my stuff. Right? It's just stuff. It's my stuff, but it's just stuff. Right? Can't take it with us. Can't take it with us. But So the Lord's warning us here of covetousness. And beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Look at that. Now see, the world thinks, well, well those guys who have all that money, look at how. They're so happy. No, they're not. They're miserable. I read an article this week about one of the rich, famous guys from the 30s. I can't. I think it was. It was. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was one. But he looked out the window. He was having lunch and he looked out the window and he saw this guy sitting there, and he had a brown bag. Like remember the sandwich bags we used to carry and all that. He had a brown bag there and he's just eating a sandwich. And the guy supposedly the guy said, "Man, I wish I had the freedom that I had, and the, and the lack of worry that that guy has. He's just out there sitting there, just eating a sandwich, enjoying a sandwich." See, because he was rich, he couldn't just go out in public because people would swarm him and all kinds of stuff and ask him for stuff. And he saw the freedom that that man had. My, oh my. So our Lord here is warning us that, that a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things that we possess. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man bought forth plentiful. So this, this man, 
his crops, his crops were booming. I'm reading a book right now on on the Roman Navy. And in the story, one of the guys who's the head in Rome, he had bought all this property outside of Rome. And he was now supplying the city of Rome with goods. And he, he could bring the price down and he made a ton of money. So, think of that with this guy. He's made a whole bunch of money on his crops. A whole bunch of money. It's plenteous. And he thought within himself. Okay, so here we're going to get a glimpse at an unsaved man here. We're going to get a little glimpse into his thoughts. And he said within himself, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? I got... I, my barns are bursting. I've got so much. He's, he's, he's proud, isn't he? He's proud. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater barns. I'm going to build, I'm going to rip them barns down. Oh, they're just, they're good sized barns, but they are not big enough for my crops. So I'm going to rip them barns down and I'm going to build me some great big barns. That's what he said. What, look at this. And there will I bestow all my fruits and goods. So I'm going to fill. I've got so much that they can't fit in the barns i got now. I'm going to tear them down. I'm going to build great big barns and I'm going to fill them to the brim. Oh, he's got some, he's got some plans, doesn't he? And then look what he said. Then I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Oh, now we're set. How many people have you heard say that? Now we're set. Now we're set. Now, now we're going to live the good life. But you know what happens to that rich man? He's not content with what he has. He's not content. He wants more. He wants more. I have a brother who's made a lot of money being a sod farmer. And my other brother and I keep telling him, you know, you can slow down now. He's got two huge farms. We keep telling him, you can slow, you know, he just keeps going. He's not content. He's not content. Well, this man's like, oh, I got laid up for many years. Take thine ease and eat and drink and be merry. Ah, no worries for, for years now. But God, now here it is. Now this is a but God. That's not like the but God in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, but God, is when we're dead in trespasses and sins and says, but God who's rich in mercy. Now this, this but God, this is what falls upon those who are not in Christ. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And who shall those things be? Who shall all those, all those riches you have? Your soul will be required of you tonight. And think of this in light of this. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? No profit at all. And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing we can give in exchange for our soul. 
That's why Christ had to come here and die in our room and place. That's why His precious, precious blood had to be shed to redeem our eternal souls, beloved. Because there's nothing we can give to the Lord to ransom our souls. Nothing, nothing by anything we do or think or say can ransom our souls. God says here, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. How many of those 158,000 plus per day who die and go into eternity are like that rich man? And go into a Christless eternity, thinking upon the things, whether they be rich or poor, thinking upon the things of this world and the things that they have, trusting in themselves. I was watching a show last night about dangerous roads around the world, and they were showing this road road that goes through um, the pass from India. All through the Himalayas and all, it's just incredible. With these guys, I could not even, I couldn't even drive on these roads. I'll tell you that. I'd just be, I'd be hanging on to the side of the door the whole time. You know. But they stopped at these certain areas. And they call them prayer areas. They go in there and they have all these different gods. And this one guy, he's touching all the papers like this and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Lord. They're all just manufactured idols. And he's, he's doing this and he's saying, and his prayers are going nowhere, are they? He's worshiping not, 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 uh, not an idol made of wood or stone, but this was just on a piece of paper. He's worshiping idols made with man's hands. And if he was to go off that cliff, driving that truck, Without Christ, he'd perish and go into a Christless eternity. Because really, he's trusting in himself. He's trusting in the things that he's doing. He's trusting in his prayers to those false idols. So how many people out of the 158,000 that go into this, go into eternity, step into eternity every day, how many of them go into a Christless eternity? This is why this question is so important. What think ye of Christ? Examine yourself. What think ye of Christ? That's why we're going to do the Lord's Supper today. Right? This do in remembrance of me. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Oh my. 158,000 people per day step into eternity. And how many of them think they're going to die that day? Probably not very many of them. Probably not. Probably. Probably none of them. They're, they're probably hoping they won't. Even if some of them have a terminal disease, they're probably hoping they don't die. Probably hoping they don't die. And how many people are just like this, this rich fool that we read about, trusting in themselves? How many people are those 158,000 step into a Christless eternity? Trusting in themselves. See, we're bought before us is the frailty of our lives, isn't it? In these verses. So short. So short. Here today, gone tomorrow. Oh my. And ask again you who are listening, what think ye of Christ? 
Who is he? What do you think of him? I'll tell you who he is. He's God incarnate in the flesh. And he came to this world to save sinners. The question is, are you a sinner? Has God, the Holy Spirit, shown you that you're a sinner? Some might say, well, Wayne, you don't know how far God I am in sin. Well, I know the Lord saved me. He can save anybody He pleases. And I know how far gone I was in sin. And I know that I'm still a sinner. Even now, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. And for a person who says, Do you th- Oh, I've gone too far in sin for Christ to save me. Here's some good words for you in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore, He is able. See, we're not able. We're not able to save ourselves, are we? But the Scripture says, Wherefore, He is able. God's able. Christ is able. To what? To save them to the uttermost. Well, who's the them? Well, that come unto God by Christ, by Him. God is able to save. All who come to God through Christ Jesus our Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. He's able to save to the uttermost. Oh, but my sins are so great. He's able to save to the uttermost. Man, King David, he was a he was an adulterer and a murderer, right? Because he sent Uriah to the front lines to die. And he slept with his wife. And what does the Lord say about David? He's a man after my own heart. Oh, my. Paul was out grabbing Christians. And he didn't kill any of them by himself. But he was throwing them in jail and they were dying. So that blood was on his hands, wasn't it? The Lord said, he's a chosen vessel of mine. We saw that last week, didn't we? He's a chosen vessel of mine. He's mine. (laughs) Oh, it's wonderful, beloved. Wherefore, He is able. He's able to save. Oh, praise God, He's able to save. Wherefore, He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, through Christ, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Christ is the only one who's able to save sinners. He's the only one who's able to save a sinner from their sins. Oh, may God give you faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do, thou shalt be saved. Do you believe on Christ? Is He your Savior? Is He your Redeemer? Is He your all in all? Paul said to the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just look to Him. If there was ever a time when 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 uh, anyone could say that you have to do something, it was right there, wasn't it? Because he said, what must I do to be saved? What can I do? Paul said, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And we know that's a gift from God, isn't it? Just believing on Christ is a gift from God. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It all goes right back to our King, beloved. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. And he gets all the praise. So Christ is the only one who's able to save a sinner. So in light of verse 11, think upon this. If we put our life and our identity into things that fade away, we will fade away too. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Mm, How much better to live our life serving the Lord Jesus Christ, pouring our life into things that will never fade. That will never fade. If a man is only rich in this world when he dies, he leaves his riches and goes to a Christless eternity. But if a man is rich and trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the brother of low degree, then when they both die, they go to their eternal riches, which are in Christ. Our inheritance is in Christ and it's in heaven. And it doesn't fade away. It's reserved for us. Our treasure's in heaven. And that's Christ, isn't it? He's our reward. He's our treasure, beloved. You know what he said to Abraham? He said this, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
That's what our Lord told Abraham. And that's true for every one of us as believers. He's our, he's our shield. He protects us. He guides us. He directs us. And He's our exceeding reward. Oh, what a Savior is Jesus Christ our Lord. The forgiveness of all our sins. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Think of all these spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Justification before God. Eternal life in Christ. Made fit to be in glory because of the, the righteousness of Christ. Peace with God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when God sees the blood of Christ, He says, I'll pass over you. Oh my. Makes you want to shout, doesn't it? Let's look at verse 12 now. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now in our study thus far, we have seen in verses 2 to 12 that the one great object of these verses is to comfort and to direct believers who are subject to trials and temptations in our lives to direct us to look to Christ and to rest in Christ. Knowing that our Heavenly Father has sent these trials our way. They're for our good and for His glory. And these trials are painful, aren't they? Turn, if you would, to John chapter 15. These, these trials are painful, but they're for our good. And they reveal genuine faith. They strengthen our faith and, and they promote patience within us. They make us useful servants for the Lord because they wean us from this world. That's what these trials do. And they make us lean upon Christ even more. Look at this in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Our Lord tells us, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now note in verse 1, the Lord Jesus Christ proclaims, My Father is the husbandman. Notice that. This is a parable about the true vine being Christ and the true branches, which is the body of Christ. And note who the husband is. Who, note, note who the caretaker or the gardener is. Note who the, who the one who's doing the pruning. And why do we prune trees? Like these apple trees. We haven't pruned them in, in years, but they say that if you prune these apple trees, they're going to have more fruit. Our trials is God pruning us, beloved. Therefore, our good and His glory. My. And the word purchase there in the Greek means to prune. It means to prune. So that, again, the trials we go through, the Father's pruning us. He's weaning us from this world. And, and whenever we go through these times of trials, we always come out the other side, trust in Christ more, don't we? Leaning on Christ more. And we look back and look, look what the Lord did. <laughs> He's amazing. So happy is the man or woman who stands up under the trials that come our way when God has put them through these trials. It's like gold in the refiner's hands. You know how the refiner knows when that gold and all that stuff is being sorted out? When he sees his reflection. Who are we being conformed to the image of? Christ. Amen. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. Oh my. And it says here that we have a crown of life. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Crown of life, beloved, is eternal life in Christ. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Oh my. We have eternal life in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and all because of what He's done for us as our substitute on Calvary's cross. Shedding His blood to redeem our souls. Satisfying God's law and justice and bearing the wrath of God that was against us. Remember He said to Abraham, I'm your shield. What's the shield do? Bears the wrath of the enemy, doesn't it? Well, who was our enemy? The law of God. The justice of God. He bore it all, beloved. Glory to His name. Glory to His name.